Good morning. Praise the Lord. Yesterday we had our packing party here, and uh, boy, there was a good turnout. There was a bunch of people that came and packed boxes, and it was all organized thanks to uh, Joe and Sue, and uh, Joe gave clear ex, uh, explanation of how to pack it and shared that uh, we're sharing the gospel with people, and we had prayer for those boxes, and it's going to be neat to see how God is going to use those. And um, but there's still a lot of empty boxes that you can take home, so grab a hundred uh, before you leave and take them home, pack them up. Uh, also, we have started selling tickets for uh, the women's luncheon, holiday luncheon. And um, if you're interested in going, uh, women, they say women 13. I didn't realize women were 13, but women 13 and up uh, uh, get to go to this. Uh, so if you're 12 and a half, I'm sorry, but you're not going. Uh, but 13 and up, you get to go. And uh, see out in the front will be Brooke and Tracy, and they'll have uh, tickets for you. We're in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be looking at verses 7 through 10. I would like to make mention that uh, after the sermon, we'll be celebrating the Lord's Supper, and there was a table uh, out in the foyer. If you are planning on taking the Lord's Supper, I would encourage you to uh, make sure you've got the elements. If, if for some reason you did not grab them as you came in, I would encourage you to... Um, you can raise your hand and somebody will see you and they'll go and grab one or you can just step out and, and grab one. <clears throat> Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. This is the, the word of the Lord. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day and for this opportunity that we can come and worship you. I pray as we look at this text that your spirit would work in our lives, that we can understand it and apply it to our lives for your honor and for your glory. Father, I pray that we'll look more and more like Christ and less like ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Uh, something uh, radical is happening here in verse 7 because it has been talking about a collective you, as in you, the group, walk worthy of the calling which you have received. You, the, the group, are to be humble, gentle, patient, and loving one to another. These uh, truths have been directed not to the singular you, but to the collective you, to the plural you. You all are supposed to be doing this. But here it just radically changes because it goes to each one of us individually. Individually, it's, it's marking each person. And what it's saying is that each person, uh, each one of us, grace. Grace is a favor that's not deserved. It's bestowing favor towards somebody who does not deserve it. Grace was given. Now, grace didn't give itself. 
but somebody had to give it. Now, who gave it? The subject there is grace, but was given. Who is doing this giving? And the giving, as we've seen over in chapter 2, verse 8, God is the one who gives salvation by grace. He's the one who is giving this gift. So God is the giver of, of this gift. And he says, uh, each one is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, the according here, the according means to the extent. And to the extent that uh, is measured out. Now, you think about uh, if you're going to uh, make bread, for example, and you're going to make bread for, say, 10 people, you're going to make rolls for 10 people. Well, you would measure out maybe some uh, two cups of flour, per se, depending on how many rolls you want to serve them. You'd measure out the two cups of flour and, and, and make your, the rolls. But say you're going to do uh, rolls for 100 people. Do you just still use the two cups of flour? Well, that would be absurd. It wouldn't make any sense. You'd have to like break it off. It'd be almost more like the Lord's Supper than it would be having a dinner roll, right? Uh, if you want to have enough, then you have to measure to the extent that is needed. And that's the idea here, is that it was according to the measure, to, to what was needed. And it says here, a measure of Christ's gift. Wait a minute. Over in chapter 2, verse 8, it talked about how this, uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is, a, it is the gift of God. And, and now all of a sudden, Paul, it, it seems like maybe he forgot what he just wrote in chapter 2. I mean, there is chapter 3 in between there, and so maybe he just totally forgot that. He said, God has given this gift, and now he's saying Christ has given this gift. How are we to understand it? Should we just assume it's one and the same gift? Well, there's a, a certain aspect where this gift of Christ both looks backwards and looks forward. Because as it said in chapter 4, verse 1, that we have received a certain calling. This calling has been uh, made in effect through Christ, Christ who came and died for us. But then, as we look forward over in verse 11 and following, we see that there are certain gifts that are being given out for the edification of the body. Now, we're not going to go into those gifts today. Uh, we'll look at those later uh, next week. But here, Christ has given this gift. So there's, we're going to focus today specifically looking back to that gift of salvation. Now, think about this for a moment. Christ has gifted you individually. Individually. The one who made all things, all things, all the whole universe, everything that you, that our telescopes can show us, everything, he has made that. And not only has he made it, but he sustains it. He holds it together. There's not a single molecule off in some distant galaxy that's doing its own thing. No, everything is being sustained by Christ. And the one who has made all this and has sustains all this, he's given you individually a gift. Now, you can have very valuable gifts given in small little envelopes. So what in the world is that gift? Can you read that? Paid in full. Signed in red by whom? Jesus Christ. 
paid in full. We were redeemed. We were purchased. That's an incredible thing to think about, that the one who created everything and is sustaining sustaining this so that this building stays up like this, he's gifted you, if you're saved, paid in full. Now, who did he pay? Did he pay Satan because he owed Satan something? No. See, what he owed was God's wrath to be uh, propitiated, uh, made to go away. And Christ's death satisfied that so that it's paid in full. Now, this is just incredible to think because as it's paid in full, when Christ died for you, did did he know all the sins that you would commit? He knew him before he even before he even made this world. He knew everything that we would do, every sin. Did, did he also know every heartache that you would have in this fallen world? Did he know every difficulty you would go through? Did he know every time that you had hoped for something and it went differently? Have you ever fed chickens? You see the people, they go and they grab a handful of corn and they throw it out there and they kind of hope that it's enough corn for the chickens, right? If they're still hungry, they can go get a cockroach or something. But this isn't this idea that grace was thrown out. This was measured. As in, he knew you, he knew the sins that you were going to do, And not only did he know the sins that you were going to do, but he also knew that living in this world, in this sinful, hurtful world, you were going to go through certain experiences, and he measured out grace for you. And he gives you that grace. Oh, I I, I went through a terrible thing. The doctor told me some terrible information. It's not curable. I, I can't do it. On my own. Of course not. But you've been measured grace. You've been given grace. Oh, oh, I I can't believe it. I prayed and prayed that my son would be healed. I wanted him to be healed. And he wasn't healed. He died. I can't do it. I, I can't get up in the morning. I can't go to work. I can't do anything. Of course not. You've been measured grace. And it's through the identity of the one who created everything and sustains everything, who has measured out grace for you, for all your sins. No longer is your identity, I'm that sinner. No longer is your identity that person who has gone through that heartache. My identity is the one, the recipient of God's grace. And how much grace did he give? He measured it out for you. That's an incredible thought to think about. Christ did that for you. Now, how do you act with that information? Do you you worship the Lord? I mean, that is an incredible thing to think about, that the one who creates everything and sustains everything gifted you personally. Or is it kind of like a, huh? I mean, you get that first and you're like, oh, wow, look at that paid in full. You know what? This is neat. This is really neat. I'm going to take a selfie. All right, I'm going to put that on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, look, I already got a like. That, that's awesome. Oh, someone said some negative comments. Oh, they call me a fake. 
I'm just going to keep this private. I'm going to put it right here in my pocket. I mean, there's no need to boast about this paid in full stuff, right? I just want to keep it to myself. It, I mean, it's a personal decision, right? How, how do we act that out of everyone you have salvation? Well, what does it do for you? That out of the one who created everything has gifted you salvation, and not just salvation in general, not grace in general, but measured for you, for your sins, and for the heartaches that you would feel. I mean, that's just incredible to think about that he has done this. Not only has he measured out grace, but we look in verse 8. He quotes from uh, Psalm 68, and there's a little bit of debate. Is he quoting from Psalm 68, verse 18? There's some differences here. If you look at um, the verse here in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In Psalm 68, verse 18, it says, You have ascended on high, you have led captives, your captives. You have received gifts among men, even among the rebellious also, that the Lord God may dwell there. There's here in Ephesians, he's giving out gifts. In Psalms, he is uh, receiving gifts from the rebellious people. Now, uh, is he quoting specifically from that verse, or is he condensing the whole chapter? I think he's condensing the whole chapter. The, the chapter is an incredible chapter. It talks about this divine warrior. Uh, uh, the psalmist calls out for this divine warrior to, to come down and, and defeat the foes, to, to annihilate them, and to, to save his remnant, those who he's going to give salvation to, to save them, to rescue them, and also by rescuing them by destroying totally the enemies. I mean, this is a, a warrior God that comes in. And Paul uses this terminology to talk about Christ. He talks about using this to talk about Christ. He says... Uh, Therefore, it says, when he ascended. Now, that word ascended has the idea of going up, but we don't really know going up from where, what the point is, the point of origin. You can be in Denver, and you can go up to Vail if you take uh, I-70 west. Right? But already in Denver, you're pretty high up. It's a lot higher than you are here. So right now, we don't know exactly where he ascended from to go, but he ascended on high. And in this ascending on high, he led captive. That, that word, captive, he led captive, is, um, it has this idea of, of capturing in warfare. To, to capture, uh, to go in and attack. It, it's only used here in the New Testament. It, it's used, if you look at the Greek text of the Old Testament, it's used several times. For example, it's used in Genesis chapter 14. Uh, you remember the situation where Lot has decided to go over towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's going to live there, and there's these four kingdoms uh, from the north that they come down, and they end up fighting against Sodom and Gomorrah, and they take captives, uh, not only the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, but they take also Lot and his family, and they take them away captive. It's this idea of going into a, a place and having a me uh, military strategy and taking people by force. It's also used in... Uh, 
uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. You remember the context there that uh, David and his men, his warriors are off fighting and uh, their families are down in the Negev and come some uh, Amalekites and they come through and they take the women, the children, and the things of David and they take them captive and off they go with these things. Again, it's a, it's a military strike where they go in and they take something and it's now theirs. This is the word being used about he led captives. Now, who is this he? Well, contextually, it's Christ. Christ is the one. So maybe at the, before the service, you were thinking about Christ and meditating on Christ, and maybe you were thinking this kind of white guy with um, hair kind of long to right here and this kind of beard, and maybe he's holding a lamb, you know, and he's got kind of a silly smile, you know, and he's got the Birkenstocks, and, and maybe that's your image of Christ. But Paul presents a totally different image of Christ. I mean, a, totally. It, it, he's a warrior who goes in and takes captive. And, and now, who are these captives? He's led this whole host, this whole military force. Who is this military force? Who are these captives? Well, Paul's using, uh, relating to Hebrew poetry, which is built on parallelisms where the first line and the second line are related in some way. And the interpreter has to figure out in which way. Some have interpreted that the captives are uh, Satan, sin, and death. And that's how they understand it. They understand is when he came and, and led captive, the host of captives, it, he took Satan and sin and death and he has bound them. And that's a, that's, that's a nice one. That's a nice interpretation. I, I think it kind of fails to look at the second line where it says, and he gave gifts to men. The men and the captives are, are equated. They're one and the same. Uh, so to people he's giving gifts, these people are these captives. Paul explains himself, he describes himself in chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord as someone who is bound to the Lord. He's not some free person of the Lord. He is bound. He is a prisoner. This idea that God <laughs> sent his son to die for us is to rescue us from sin, but for us to be serving the Lord. We're not just some autonomous person that can do whatever we want to do. We are in bondage to God. But he's such a good God. Satan only seeks to destroy. God doesn't. He gives life. Now, thinking about this, that Jesus led the captives, the idea is a victorious, victorious warrior. Now, there's different types of victorious warriors. We can think about somebody who has a boundary of land. This is their property. This is their domain. And they have established a stronghold along the domain. And if an enemy comes, they can shoot an arrow at that person. Or if they you know, come up, they can hit them down and they fall down. It's not in this sense that he's a divine warrior. Rather, it's, it's the person who goes into enemy territory and he rescues people out, out of there. Is that not what Christ did for us? It's not like we were alive and we said, hey, I'm going to go to Christ. No, we were dead in our trespasses of sin and he came and rescued us. He grabbed us out and led us out of that. I mean, that's an amazing thing to think about, that he 
did that for us. It's not some person that's staying behind a wall and saying, I hope you guys can make it. No. He's going into the enemy territory. This is, this is Christ who has done this. Now, when you think about this, as he is leading these captives, it says he gave gifts to men. This is amazing to think about. We, who were dead in our trespasses of sin, we who, who, who live for the prince of the power of the air, we who, who did not seek after God, he gives gifts. Of course, it makes us now ask two questions. When were these gifts given? And what are these gifts? Now, when these gifts are given, people try to tie it to different times. But I think we have a time marker in our text that gives us a hint that uh, verses 9 and 10 uh, confirm a little bit more. But it has, he ascended on high. It has a moment when after Christ has ascended on high, he has led the captives uh, and, and given gifts of men. And, and of course, verses 9 and 10 kind of say that he descended and then he uh, ascended. But we know from Acts chapter 2, the Spirit came down, baptized them into the body of Christ, and they were giving gifts so that they could be preaching the gospel. And people were hearing the gospel in their own language. We know from Acts chapter um, uh, 10 and 11, Cornelius had this experience that as he received the Holy Spirit, they were able to have these gifts, and, and the gifts are spiritual gifts. Now, like I said, this works kind of as a uh, Janus in that it looks backwards and forwards to what it's going to be doing. And right now, my focus is on looking past on that gift of salvation. We're going to look next Sunday at other gifts, spiritual gifts, but right now we're just looking at the gift of salvation. And in this gift of salvation, he's gifted us this for two reasons. One is so that we can walk worthy in a manner worthy of the calling which you have received. And two, that we're supposed to live this in community one with another, with all humility, gentleness, patience, and uh, with love. That's how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to walk worthy of this calling. Now, it's interesting that at the moment of salvation, Joe gets saved, and the divine warrior doesn't go, up he goes. And then Sue got saved, and, and then he throws her up too. But rather, the divine warrior is is here and leaves us here and is guiding us to walk worthy of the calling which we have received. And how are we supposed to walk worthy? In isolation from one another. Of course not. Verse 2 says, with uh, humbleness, with gentleness, with patience, and with, with love. Oh, my word. i got to go minister to Paul with those things? Really? I mean, have you seen Paul? He says, yes, with, 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 with patience. But he never gets it uh, with, with love. Say it with love. That's how we're supposed to be ministering. He's guiding us to live this life here on this earth in this fashion. He doesn't just throw us up after we get saved. Rather, we're, he's guiding us, this divine warrior. He's leading us eventually to heaven. But right now, he's guiding us to live with one another in community. Now, as we think about this and how he's acting in this way, uh, Paul is, is also, uh, in, in verse 
9, this expression, he ascended, what he does is, uh, except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth. So how did he descend? Now there's three different uh, understandings of this descending. This descending has uh, caused a lot of debate. And so we'll divide it into three parts. The first part is, this lower parts, all it means is that Christ was incarnate. Uh, when Christ came down and was born of a virgin and lived in this earth, that incarnation process is that he came down to, to, to the earth. But some say, no, 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 it says to the lower parts of the earth. And so some say it's not just the incarnation, but it's, if you look at Jesus' ministry and what he did, uh, who was he serving? He wasn't in the palaces. He, he was serving the, the poor. He was serving the outcast and the, the tax collectors. And that, that's not my words. That's just what we see in the Bible. He says that the tax collectors, too, on the same level as the sinners. This is who Jesus ministered to. He was there with them, the, the poor and, and the needy. And some of us say, well, that, that's nice, and that's cute, but that has nothing to do with what the lower parts means. The lower parts means that uh, Jesus Christ, he came to this earth and he died, and he was buried. He died for our sins, and he was placed into the ground, below the ground. It was a cave, and, and he would have gone down into the ground. That's what this means. Now, out of the three possibilities, if I had to choose one that I preferred, it would be the third, and it would be because of Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 8, where it says that he humbled himself even to the point of death, death on the cross. But that's not the point to identify what is the lower regions, because had he wanted to identify where that place was, he had total possibility of doing that. The point here is not where are the lower regions, but rather that Christ had to come down. He, we don't go up to him. He had to come down to us. He, he, he had to become flesh. He had to dwell among us. That's an amazing thing to think about. I mean, think about watches. Imagine that there was something going on with watches worldwide. They were all just stopping, dying, a terrible death with, with acid in the battery going every which way. And somebody who made watches decided to become a watch to take on the curse of all watches and therefore save all watches. He said, Daniel, that's absurd. No one would do that. Well, that's what Christ did. He became a man, a, a person in flesh. It, it, it's, it's more absurd that God would do this than us become a watch. He did this. He came down for us. Now, thinking about this, well, we see that um, in verse 10, it finally gives us a purpose. It says, he who descended in himself, also he who ascended far above all the heavens. So that, there's a purpose statement, so that he might fill all things. He might fill all things. It's a purpose statement. It's to bring everything under his control. Colossians chapter 1, 
verse 18, it says, He is also head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Christ's ascension meant on a personal level that Christ fills all of you so that you become the image of Christ. So that you get lost in Christ's image. So that we don't see you, you don't see me, you see Christ. We're talking about rulership, lordship, Christ, Lord over all. Now, Christ is Lord, and in this lordship, he is Lord over all things. And as the divine warrior, he is moving us through, and we're following him. He's moving us through, and he is deciding how we're to act, how we're supposed to be interacting one with another. He has given us gifts, and right now I'm just looking at the gift of salvation. He's given us gifts, and uh, I took that gift away here, didn't I? We got these gifts. And uh, we are to use these gifts in the lives of other individuals. Now, he is Lord, and he is Lord over our, our actions, which means he tells us how to act. How are we supposed to act? With humility, with gentleness, patience, with love. He, he bought us. He paid in full. Therefore, he owns us, and he can tell us how to act. The interesting thing is that um, there's a little bit of a competition. You remember over in Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, I mean, verse 2, it says that there is a prince of the power of the air. And this prince of the power of the air, he has gifts too. This prince of the power of the air, he, he also wants you to follow him. And he's established rules for how you're supposed to establish him. You see him in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. It talks about the world that has uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the things that you have. The pride of the things that you have. And he, he offers them. And there Christ, the divine warrior, is leading you not out of this world, but in through this world, through all the hate, through all the suffering, through all the pain. He's leading you to use your gifts for others. And as you're following that divine warrior, all of a sudden, he's there. What's going on? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, you know, using my gifts for the Lord. Oh, that's nice. I saw that cute little gift. I mean, I'm not talking bad about it. It's just, you know, it's little. It fits in your pocket. What's, what's that? This? Oh, this is for you. Pour moi? Yeah, this is for you. Well, what is it? Well, come and take a look. Oh, my word. It, it's what I've been desiring. It, it's what I've been... It's what I've been seeing. Oh my, look, it's got the, it's got those things that would bring me pride. They're all right here. Oh, no, but, you know, I've, I've got my gift from the Lord, and I'm serving the Lord. 
Maybe after I do that, maybe after I get done serving the divine warrior, I'll, I'll, I'll take advantage of that. Well, that's the problem. See, you have to take action now with this one. But I see that you're busy. I'll go over here with it. Whoa, where are you going with that? Don't, you can't just take that away. And then you start remembering your Sunday school lesson. God's, God's blessings, God's gifts are, are for when? For, for always. <gasps> that means I can, I can take this one here and I'll put it in my pocket and I'll, I'll go ahead and take this one now. <laughs> and so we start living for this one. Oh, this is a nice gift. But oh no, Linda Shea needs help. I'm going to go help Linda Shea, but oh my word, my hands are full. Maybe I can use my feet. She needs groceries or she needs somebody to take her to the hospital. I, I can't do it because my hands are full with the gift of the prince of the air. It, 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 it consumes me. It, it uses up my strength and it uses up my resources. I want to help Linda. I really do, but I've got this gift. Maybe when I get done with this gift, I can help her. Vincat, do you think you could help her? Jose? Yeah. I'll help her as soon as I get done with my gift. See, there's a difference between the gifts that God gives and the gifts of Satan. The gifts that God gives are to be served to other people to help them. And the gifts that Satan offers you is just for yourself. In fact, it, it binds you so that you can't help anybody else. You can't live in humility you can't live in gentleness. You have no patience for other people. And there's no love. The divine warrior is leading us, lordship in our lives, not to exit us out, but through all the pain to live for others. He gives us gifts to live for one another. And that's just an amazing thing that he does. Now you can go after the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. But all it's going to do is bind your hands. And you won't be able to serve anyone. You'll always be thinking, I'm almost done with this career. I'll make this next move and then I'll have time to help. All I need to do is get this one more degree and once I have this degree, then I can help. That's how the gifts of Satan are. All they do is bind you. Now, seeing here, what is Christ doing? He descended so that he can fill all aspects. And that means all aspects of you. Not just to fill the universe, but so that what we see in North Oaks Baptist Church is Christ. The members reflect Christ. Well, what do we look like here? We look like Christ. Christ. That's the purpose. I wonder what we'll do. Some can't do that because they've never surrendered. They've never put their faith in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. In fact, they're still trying to take all the gifts of the prince of the power of the air and to live after that. And all it does is chain you more and more. But God graciously gives through Christ a gift 
gift of life, and a gift to be used among people, to help people. Will you put your faith in Christ today and be saved? I wonder for those of us who are saved, maybe we got tempted with something that we saw. Maybe there was an opportunity and we said, oh man, I have to do it now. And I know, I know the Lord can wait. His promises are forever. I'll circle back to that. No. Let's live now for him. Let's pray. Father, I pray now as we reflect on your word. I, I pray that your spirit would convict us and show us um, our need, whether it be for a savior to save us of our sins or a savior to save us from ourselves, from the pride of the flesh, from the pride of life. Uh, Father, I pray that you would save us and that we can use these gifts for one another. Father, now as we move into this time of the Lord's Supper and we reflect on, upon it, I pray that your spirit would convict us and remind us once again of the blessing of taking in Christ. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. At this time, we're going to move into the Lord's Supper. And there's always opportunity.